0: Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow the Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, The drawing will go until the last day of February, then on March 1st, I will draw the winner, and then on March 2nd in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So, good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have, that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors Uh, First we have DuckSeason.com, that's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, There's a good duck hunting forum on there, you can buy some merchandise. Uh, There's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there, where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, Follow them on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, You can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers, 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, You can find him on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 four nine four seven eight six eight lastly we have highline retrievers uh, dog training up in northeast montana you can find them on facebook instagram or tiktok it's h-i-l-i-n-e retrievers you can also uh, give me a call my number is 406-783-7083 uh, if you have any questions on training need any advice any help or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend. Uh, thanks a lot, and enjoy the show. Welcome into Wicked Hunting Report. This is Garrett. I am back with Drew Bayumpa. Uh, today we are going to be breaking down, if you want to get into snow ghost hunting, how to start, since we are going to be rolling into conservation seasons here. Um, Arkansas is coming up real quick next month, so this is going to be kind of a... Uh, if you haven't done it or if you're just starting what you need to do to get rolling into it. So, Drew, let's say I am a young whipper snapper, never been snow goose hunting, and I want to get out. What would be what would you do for your first season?
1: Yeah, so the, the, how I think of this question is what would I tell the younger me when I first started snow goose hunting? And what I would tell me is that everything you do is a supplement to your scouting. So number one thing I would say is scout your butt off, find the areas where there are geese, because it doesn't matter what e-collar you have. It doesn't matter what decoys you have. It doesn't matter how big your pickup is or what kind of trailer you're pulling or how much your dog cost. If you're not in an area where there's birds or the correct birds to hunt, you're not going to kill any geese. So the number one thing is definitely scouting.
0: Okay. My first thing if I was gonna do it is I would find two people that I know pretty well that know what they're doing and just tag along with them. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what I did.
1: Actually, that's actually an extremely good point too. Uh once once we decided this was gonna be our topic for the week, I was thinking, you know, what were some different points? And yes, uh teaming up with a group of people is going to be huge because you know t- Two is better than one. And honestly, I think three is better than two. I'm somebody where I kind of really like to have that group of that four or five, especially for snow geese. Um, it's that's a really, really easy number where you can hunt. But it's also a really good number where different, different guys can go through like different corridors and then go to, down different avenues and do scouting. And they can kind of all meet up together, have a game plan. Um, if there's four or five guys, the workload is spread out pretty evenly people aren't, you know, getting drunk out or drawn out for too long, you know, we're all getting sleep because we're just able to be more mobile and we're able to, we're able to uh, get the stuff done quicker, so. Okay,
0: the next thing, because this is something I had somebody ask me, they asked, do you need a special gun for snow goose hunting? Like, do you have to have the extended tube, or is all right, just to go with your regular one? And my belief is, that extra tube is only needed if you're going to be doing some jump shooting or something like that, where you need a lot of shots off. If you're going to be in the field decoying, just do regular shotgun in a tube, because most of the times you're not going to be getting those big tornadoes. And I personally, I have a Benelli Montefeltro now, and I would not bring that out to the snow goose field, just because. I know how they get treated out in the mud, in the dirt, in the snow, in the water. So find yourself a Remington 870 or a Benelli Nova that's on the clearance rack, use Shell, <laughs> and beat the shit out of that. Because me and you both had Benelli Novas at one point, and we were crawling across a field that was complete gumbo mud. And by the time we got up to where we were going, both of those things were absolutely packed with mud and dirt, and they still ran and cycled so that's kind of my i'll testify to those things standing up to anything
1: no for sure what was the crap what was the initial question again oh what okay so what size mag yeah. well
0: do, and do you think you need the extended tube
1: yeah what i'm also do you need it no for the right circumstances does it come in handy heck yeah it does so just to go off your point, too, what you were talking about, the extended mag is absolutely awesome when you're getting birds in tight, um, especially in the spring season. It's going to be when you're hunting those juvie pockets when the birds are finishing in tight. But, yeah, when you have that, those extra, when you can ring off seven, eight, nine rounds into a flock, sometimes even 10 rounds. They make the X-rail. That's like 24 rounds. It's awesome. And honestly, you're you're killing a lot more geese the more you shoot. But there's also times, though, too, when you're on the adult hunts where you're only getting the birds to maybe finish at 30, 40 yards and you have to pick. Okay, you have to be be pretty selective on your shots. The guys who are ringing 10 rounds into a flock of, say, 10 adults at 40 yards, they're not going to you're honestly going to be better taking your time. And I would say even having a gun where you just pull the plug up is going to work just fine in those situations. So. As far as needing it, no, you don't need it. But does it come in handy? Heck, yeah, it does, especially, again, when those birds are getting in tight and it's young flocks.
0: Yeah. The other thing I noticed, too, having the extended tube was that I knew I had all those shots in my head. So, like, I would just pop up and not even aim and just dump as many shells as I could, and I knew I wasn't hitting as many Mm -hmm. as I could have. So I went back to not using it, and I was I like I was actually picking on my birds and knew which ones I was hitting, and I could tell I was doing a lot more. And then I brought it back in after I was able to like calm my mind down and uh, mm-hmm. actually aim and use the shots. And there's very few times I actually ever dumped all the shells after I started doing that. Like I'd pick them out, and then I could tell when they were too far away, and might have two or three left in the tube.
1: Hmm. No, normally for me it was like. I'd I'd ring off three shots as fast as I could, realize I didn't hit anything, and then I had to slow down and start trying to pick them out after that. And at that time, they already gained 20 yards, and my best shot opportunities were wasted because I was, you know, full of adrenaline and wanted to shoot the gun, so.
0: What uh, size shot are you shooting? I usually bring two-shot along.
1: Yeah. I've always been convinced that two-shot is universal. When I buy ammo... I don't buy ammo for snows. I don't buy ammo for ducks. I don't buy ammo for big Canada geese. I just buy ammo. And when I was living in North Dakota, I like hunted so much that, and it wasn't that I was hunting just one species. I was hunting anything and everything. So I didn't want to have to buy different sized shells. So I would just buy two shot because it's super universal. I could shoot mallards with two shot. I could shoot snow geese with two shot. I could shoot Canada geese with two shot. Three inch two shot. That's always just been my go to. It's always been easy, and most people or most places usually have it too. So, the federal blue box, baby.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I think in my safe, I've got about a dozen boxes of federal blue box, twelve gauge, three inch, two shot. Because I just use that on everything except for swans. If I know we're gonna be going after swans, I'll throw in the uh, BB or triple BB. Yeah. And then, and usually, if that's the case, it's just that there's been swans in the area, so I'll just throw a couple of those in my pocket, and then when I hear them yelling on their way and i hurry up and grab them and throw them in but otherwise i just go three inch two shot
1: honestly uh when i was so we had a hunt out west uh this was i don't know probably four years ago now but we were into a really really good group of juvie geese and i remember it was like slim pickings on shells because we were like shooting so much we were we were hunting a lot and we were killing a lot of geese so Any any shows that we could find, we were shooting. And the one day, I brought out six two and three quarter six shot, and I literally was like, so I I I brought it out there. I had other stuff too, but I dwindled down my resources where I only had that two and three quarter six shot. And I'm like, crap, like I feel like I'm not gonna be able to hit anything with this. And we had some birds work in, and I remember sitting up, and there was like this goose, and it was like at ten yards. And I'll tell you that that two and three quarter round. Uh, what he pillowcase it. so i mean honestly if they're in close enough it don't matter but if you're again so here let, let me backtrack a little bit our our topic today is if you're a new snow goose hunter so a lot of what you're going to be seeing if you're a new snow goose hunter is you're going to see a lot of social media and you probably want to get into it because you've seen a lot of people you know killing a ton of geese you know they're with 20 guys they're all shooting 20 rounds, you know, each. They're making all these flocks rain out, right? So when you see that on social media, one, I can almost guarantee you it's down in Arkansas or, yeah, it's, it's in Arkansas or it's really early in the season. It's really early in the conservation conservation season. And two, there's a really, really good chance that it's juvie geese. So it's really, really easy. And this is how I kind of fell. This is actually what made me super hungry with snow geese is I, I kept trying to chase the adults. and I couldn't kill them. And then I figured out jubies were a thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but when you're initially going to start hunting, the big mass is that you're going to be seen right away. Those are the adult birds. So those adult flocks, those are going to be the hardest ones to hunt. When you think that, oh, man, this is the most, op- this is the best opportunity to hunt snow geese right now is because there's so many birds in the area. It's actually not. The best time to hunt the snow geese is when all those when, when it's like the main push of geese has passed you, especially in the spring season. That's the best time to start hunting snow geese, because there's going to be these little trickling pockets of um, juvie geese. And the reason they're kind of far behind is they don't have that same instinct yet as adults do. So they did. The, sorry, the instinct to go up uh, north and breed to the breeding ground. It's kind of like a bunch of teenagers. They don't, you know. They kind of want to do their own thing. They don't have the drive to go be successful. They don't have the drive to go, you know, pursue a bunch of jobs. They just kind of want to hang on and party, right? It's the exact same thing with the juvie geese. So let those big groups push through and then just kind of look and watch where, okay, I saw the most geese by, we'll say Highway 1, okay, I saw the most geese by Highway 1. I would say give it a week and I guarantee you those juvie pockets, you're going to find them within that five to 10 mile kind of range of that highway one. Um, Juvie geese, you have to scout a lot more, but when you find a pocket of them, it's going to be so much more fruitful. And when you find them, that's the flocks that you can start to get excited about and bring like your, you know, your 10 shot mag out with, and that's the flock that you can, you know, really, really have some fun with and get those really cool working videos with the adults. There's usually so many eyes. One, they're really wise Two. Yeah. One, they're really wise. Two, there's a lot of eyes watching you. And three, they've seen it. Um, I was down in South Dakota one time and there was another guy. We weren't hunting with him, but he was hunting probably a town over. And I was 18 at the time I was down there and they had shot a 19 year old snow goose band, like literally like a couple miles away from us. I was like, holy crap, that means the geese that I'm hunting are older than me. So to think that they haven't seen a thing or two you'd be deceiving yourself so
0: well and the fourth thing in that list is adult geese are just assholes so
1: oh yeah and they know they know they're being hunted and they know what to look for and well there is by
0: the time they get up to us in north dakota they have been shot at in state on the way up for a month straight if not longer so
1: yes yeah and even on the on the way down too because a lot of guys have a lot of success um when the geese are coming down. My best hunts are actually in the fall. They're not in the springtime. I've had some I've had some epic, epic shoots in the spring. But the majority of my every so every single big snow goose shoot I've ever been a part of in the spring has either been because of one extreme weather or two. We were in a really good uh pocket of juvie geese where the majority of the birds, I would say like eighty percent of them were juvies and another twenty percent for, you know, the
0: adults. And so let's keep her rolling here a little bit. On so if you're this is your first year, you want to do it. Uh, you should find people to go with. Hopefully people yep. have decoys and they know what they're doing. Yes. If you have a shotgun, bring it out. I mean, yep. it doesn't really matter. Just get whatever steel shot you have and bring it out. It doesn't really matter. And exactly. then I I have for so for most people that i've seen when you're snow goose hunting you're laying in a bunch of white sock decoys you wear like a white tyvek suit or white camouflage yep so i mean just like go down to runnings or whatever you have anywhere that's like a supply store and get you a tyvek white tyvek painting suit enough it's big enough size that'll fit your coveralls and coat under it because you're going to be cold and muddy and wet most of the time so get one of those yeah, so I guess your checklist for your first – if it's your first junior run, go find somebody you can go with that knows what they're doing, bring your gun, bring whatever shells you have, get a white Tyvek suit, and then a good work ethic because there's a lot of decoys, <laughs> and a lot of times you're walking through shitty, muddy fields, so it's not fun setting out thousands of decoys in shitty, muddy fields.
1: Right, exactly. And I will and then, say – Oh, Go, you can go, go ahead.
0: Here. Oh, I was going to okay. say – and be, Be willing to learn it. Like, don't just be along for it. Don't get all drunk the night before and then show up hungover and just puke your way through a hunt. I mean, pay attention to what's going on. Be a part of it. So that way when you get to your next year or two, you have a little bit of input. You know what's going on. You know the drill.
1: Exactly, yeah. Hunt hard. Hunt hard. Whether you're young geese or not, and whether you feel like you want to really hunt hard or not that day, I would say hunt hard. Because the best experience that you're going to have is going out there and doing it. The best way to learn how to decoy snow geese is to go out there and try to decoy snow geese. You know, I mean, there's you're you can, you can listen to a million podcasts and really, really get yourself far. But again, it's really only a supplement unless you're only, unless you're actually out there doing it. So.
0: Okay. So now let's say you're two or three years deep and you want to start branching on your own with your buddies. What do you need to buy as far as to get a starting spread and to get sound in your spread? Because that's another thing. You got to have sound. Otherwise, you're just a bunch of white trash bags floating out in a field. So, <laughs> exactly. What's, what's the best way to get started with decoys first? What do you need and how much?
1: So, the thing that I will say for simplicity reasons, and you will thank me later, is get all the same style. Whether you're gonna get whether you're a dive bomb guy and you wanna get dive bomb socks, okay. If you're gonna get dive bomb socks, then just just get one brand. If you're gonna go and you want Skyfly, get just Skyfly. It's it helps so much when you have the same brand than if you have, you know, like we have a say say you had a thousand full bodies, but you had seven different brands out there, okay, now you're messing with seven different style stakes, you know. It's really inefficient because you might walk up to a decoy, but you can't put a stake on it because that's not the stakes you have for that decoy. Um, so whether you're getting full bodies or you're getting socks, I would say the magic number. This this is hard to say. I because because I've seen people do extremely well with some just with some unconventional size spreads. But if you're gonna run a straight feed, like if you're just doing fields, I would say probably at least 500 decoys. If you can get upwards to that 1,000 or 1,500, especially if you're running migrators, that's gonna help you a ton. But I will say on the flip side, if you're somebody who you maybe wanna hunt the un- uh, just a little bit more unconventional and you wanna do maybe a sheet water type spread, or if you want to even you know hunt like the side of a pond and try to use the traffic, or the traffic that's coming above you is gonna be water, um, or they're going to be looking for water. I would say you can get away with a smaller number of decoys. So if you had, say, 200 socks or 200 full bodies, and then you had maybe 50 uh, floating snow goose decoys out there, it's actually it, it it's crazy that they they look a lot harder at water, especially in the springtime, especially up here because a lot of times when they're pushing through, they're they're it's it's like it's it's like they will push as far as they possibly can. So they hit the line, right? They hit the line and they can't go any farther. But every single day, there's groups of geese that are pushing north and they're trying to find the next piece of water. So they're flying over all this, what do you call it, um, all these different frozen ponds, all these different frozen lakes. Well, then they find that one sheet water spot. Okay, if you're, if you're set up on that sheet water spot, again, these birds are going to be pushing up if you're hunting this early. We'll be adults. But they're gonna look at you a lot harder if you're on some of the first open water than if you were meaning, in the
0: field. Meaning that they're more likely to land in you on that open water than they are in the field. Yes. Not exactly. like that, they're picking you out more. Because like you said, they're pushing their way up. If they if they get up and you're like the last that sheet water, the last open water for mm-hmm. a ways, they're more likely just to dive down in just to get that water, especially if they think that there's some geese there already.
1: hmm so. There's a there's a guy that I I've never actually had to hunt with him. I've actually never met him. I've texted with him back and forth, but he is super smart. Um, but he is one of the only guys that I know of that has had 100 plus adult days. And how he has these 100, 100 plus adult days is because one, he really, really knows the flyways. He really, really, really knows, okay, year after year, the geese, they come up again, he found his highway one, right? So whatever your highway one is, or maybe, it's, whatever, you know what I'm saying. So he found, like, his corridor that he's hunting. So year after year, he knows that the geese push up early right here. So when he does that. What he does is, he, since he's been in the area, he knows these certain bodies of water open up first. So he goes, okay, once he starts to see that trickle, he'll look for that south wind. He'll set up in that open water right away. And then when that south wind pushes those geese up, okay, now he's ready for the adults. And, yeah. There's over the last couple of years, he's had, I don't know how many hundred plus adult days, but he's had several. So that's one guy and that's how he does it, you know. Um, you had the other question of of sound though, too. So he's also somebody that really kind of has opened up my mind to sound. So I've always thought, I've always thought it was, it should be scouting, decoys, then sound. But really, I would say your sound and your decoys have to be equal. Um... If you, you go into a food court and it's like you saw a bunch of people, but only the people in the middle were talking, it'd be kind of weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same with snow geese. So when they're spinning on that, on that, your flaw, on your spread, um, this is just a theory, but it seems like they will, you'll see them flare at the same exact point every single time. So say you have a spread of your 500 decoys. You're in a field, or you're even better. You're set up on some sheet water, right? And you notice the birds are flaring at a certain spot. It may not be because they see you. I would first say, okay, maybe it's, it's probably they're seeing you. But if, if if you're if you're dead set that hey we're hidden really well, you know our whatever our blinds are covered, or we're even in a pit or something, and they're flaring at a certain spot, I would say adjust your sound. So what I would do is I would try to get – what I do is I try to get my sound as even as I can around the entire spread. So I used to only run two um, two power horns. Now I have like eight because I want to get that sound as centralized and as equal as I can around my entire spread.
0: Yeah. So like what you're saying is they're getting out the edge of that spread, and as they're making their turn – that sound is in the middle. It's not out. Like, they might be right over the decoys in the end, but they can tell that the sound is in the middle. And they're like, hey, this ain't right. And then they keep on turning and take off.
1: Or you have So you want to... Yeah, ahead. get it equal. So, yeah, there's also two, like, distortions as well. So, for example, if you have one speaker that's distorting the sound and it sounds weird because it blew or it got wet and it froze or something, having those other speakers around it, too, is going to kind of help just muffle it out and make it sound like a murmur. So yeah your sound can be flaring geese um i there there's been times where we've had some absolute killer um super nice spreads out. There's no way the geese were seeing us, and they were flaring and then when we adjusted that sound, it helped us so much more again it's adult geese and sometimes they're just pricks <laughs> but just yep. I would just keep trying stuff and yeah i we've had more success having that better ones, one better sound quality and two an equalized kind of volume versus just having two speakers running so
0: did you build your own like the one you're using now is that one that you built or did you buy a system so
1: i have i have three e-callers. so two i built and one is uh, one i bought one so the one i bought it's a company called goose trap they're pretty good And then the other one I built, what I did was is I basically just got a kind of like that. What do you call the dash of the vehicle? Like what are those called? Those are like a car. The deck. The deck. The radio deck. Yeah. So I bought a radio deck and then I bought a small amplifier. And then I just got some good speaker wire and I got some good high quality speakers. And then I bought one of those. It's like a pistol case that you can like cut the foam so you can put multiple pistols in there. So what I did was I bought that and I cut the foam out of it so I could put that speaker deck in there or that radio deck, sorry, in there. And then I bought tracks from Juvie Jukebox. I I really like Juvie Jukebox. They got a lot of really cool sounds. If you're somebody, too, where you like to maybe put some speckled belly decoys in your spread, obviously we're not hunting speckled bellies. But maybe you think that, hey, like, you know, it helps if it's like a confidence decoy. They also will they, they also sell speckabelly tracks and stuff like that too. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can get and it's not that expensive to buy uh basically a Rolodex of tracks that you can just put on the USB and plug into the system and then just click which one you want. So. so that was
0: something I was gonna bring up too is specs, because during snow goose season, specs don't get shot. So they get they're a lot easier to decoy in, and it seems like we mm-hmm. get more specs to land in the decoys then snows so that's something i was going to ask about back on the decoys would you bring along if you have spec decoys just to throw out a couple pods as confidence decoys
1: yeah i, I would say i mean i don't think it would hurt to be honest i would say kind of maybe segregate them though put them off to the side you know just kind of have like a pocket of them say again you're on a tour line you know have a have a spot where maybe yeah you have a dozen spec decoys and then if you want to, you know, maybe have a sound over there that has that maybe that that belly honk they kind of do that. Bara, bara, bara. You know, don't be afraid to put that over there as well. So I mean I don't think it would hurt. I don't think it's necessary necessary, but then again, if you are strictly wanting to hunt, you know, adult snow geese and you're trafficking them, then yeah, I, I don't see a problem with it. I will say though, you're gonna the the best bang for your buck though is gonna be from watching the adult snow geese come through and then finding the juvie geese and then hitting the juvie geese hard especially if you're at year two or three like we're talking if you're at year two or three you've had some spots you've done some hunts you've seen some birds fly through now that's the point that's the time in your we'll say your resume when you should be able to start finding those juvie pockets now so that's when I would say, OK, now let's really, really focus on the bread and butter. Let's focus on what's actually going to kill us a lot of numbers. And I would say let's focus on the juvie geese. Yeah.
0: So back to the sound real quick. If you don't want to spend the money, especially like if you're just starting out, if you Google or YouTube snow goose sound setup speaker setup or whatever you'll find videos and instructions on how to build your own that's the best and cheapest way to do it especially if you have anything laying around or know people that do like as far as old car radio decks or anything like that or you yeah. can just go to walmart and spend hundreds some dollars and get everything you need to have a great setup that'll last you a while as long as you take care of it don't want to get wet and frozen Yeah. That is where I would start. And then if you, I mean, if you got deep pockets, you want to go in, you can go. There's companies out there like you have Goose Trap where you can just go and just buy it straight up. Mm -hmm. But yeah. If you're just starting out, the easiest and cheapest way is just to build your own too. And then you know how it works. So when you're out there, because it never fails that Mm -hmm. in the middle of a hunt, something will start acting up and you'll have to go figure out what it is. So if you built it yourself, there's a better chance you'll know. This goes to this, goes to this, and you can kind of do some uh, diagnostics and figure out why this one speaker sounds like shit and the rest of them sound good.
1: Yeah. So quick, quick story. Garrett, actually, we were setting up a a sound one time and something broke and Garrett legit fixed the e-collar with, well, you fixed it with what, a lighter and a screwdriver? (laughs)
0: Man, every time you're on here, you make it sound like I'm a wizard on fixing stuff. Had the alternator with a hammer and a screwdriver, and now I fixed that with a lighter and a screwdriver.
1: Dude, it was it was weird. It was literally like – I'm not a mechanic. I mean, I, I feel like I'm useless sometimes in my career. Well, I would say useless in my career. If it came to, like, truly – it came back to, like, the dark ages, man, I'd be useless. I'd be someone's – I don't know. I'd be a jester. I'd be dancing in front of the king. <laughs> I'd be in
0: trouble, too, because, I mean, once we get to that point, there's not going to be any tractors or anything to fix. Everything's going to be broken down out of fuel, so.
1: Right. <laughs> Good thing I know how to kill snow geese, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Better hope <laughs> bird flu doesn't keep up. That's right. another thing, too. Um, On the bird flu, let's say this is going to be your first year. How worried would you be about the bird flu, like, as far as eating the geese?
1: Oh, me? I would have been freaked out. Um. So if I if I knew a goose died of the bird flu, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat it. touch it. Yeah, but if you're, I mean, if you're hunting though, I mean, and you shot some birds, I would eat them still. I would say don't. Yeah. I, I don't like wasting animals. And if you're gonna shoot something, you know, have the intent to eat it. There's a difference between shooting an animal and dispatching an animal. So if you saw there yeah. was a a snow goose that had the bird flu and you wanted to go, you know take it out of its misery yeah go take it out of its misery we get that but don't just go out there and shoot snow geese and then just you know
0: say so you're not gonna eat them because they might have the bird flu
1: yeah if that's the case then don't yeah. hunt them that's honestly yeah. that's you can there's the argument too of like well they're overpopulated and all that as well but at the same time i it's it's an ethical issue with me so yeah
0: that's that's where I'm at, too, because last year, I mean, this is from what we saw. We saw a bunch of sick ones, and <laughs> 99% of the sick ones we saw, they were off by themselves. So there might be, like, a flock of a couple hundred over on this end of the field, and then halfways on the other side of the field, there might be, like, a dozen, two dozen spread out along sheet waters out there by themselves, and they were sitting there, and you could pretty much walk up to them. And then when you got up to them and dispatched them... All of them had, like, green diarrhea, like neon green shit all around them and on their butt. So that's the first thing. If if I shot one while this is going on and he's got green all over his butt, I I wouldn't touch him because he might just be starting with it. That might just be one of the symptoms and he hasn't broke off from the other group. But, I mean, if you have a flock of a bunch come in and they all, you know, you shoot them, they all look good and healthy, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And they, they like, from what we saw, too. they segregate themselves from the sick ones. So if you have one lone one come in acting absolutely stupid, I would be a bit suspicious of it. But, I mean, if you got a flock come in and they all look good,
1: I mean, I wouldn't be worried about it. Yeah. You have a – I don't I don't I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue, though, this year as it was last year. I don't think it's – Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. They all – I mean, they molt. So, so I would think of it as, okay, they had the bird flu. The ones that made it up north, if they were carriers of it, you got to think they all molted together, so they couldn't fly. They're all really in close quarters. So, I mean, not to get political, but we've kind of already seen this with COVID. Once there's a kind of a herd, humidity, herd immunity with whatever strain there is, they're going to get stronger from it. And I've heard almost zero bird talk about the bird flu um, this fall, so yeah, I wouldn't really worry about it. But like, it's, it, it's going to come, obviously. It's going to come and go. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. So, but yeah.
0: So, back to the sound. Do you do a different sound or different speaker setup if you're hunting sheet water? If you have a those uh, spreads?
1: So, what I kind of do is I kind of play with it. So, there's some days where, yeah. I mean, to me, I'm somebody i play with it. But I also don't just play the same track throughout the whole sound, the whole flock either. What I normally do is I kind of have like that murmuring kind of. I like to have that murmuring sound, kind of. That's my main sound with with those barking snows. And then in the middle, the one the one box that I have that's only one speaker, I'll run a Ross Bruce track. So you'll hear those Ross geese, and they're a kind of a higher pitcher kind of peep slash kind of bark. And uh, yeah, so I kind of do that in the middle, and then the Majority of the sound, though, is going to be that barking, you know, murmuring, kind of feeding, loafing snow goose sound. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. There's other guys who are probably going to be like, "Oh, that's so stupid." But, I mean, hey, we've killed a lot of snow geese. I've hunted a lot of spreads where we've just set them and hunted them. Just you know, getting under a good flyway and knowing that there's going to be birds that are going to be coming day after day, and that has worked well for me. So, yeah. So
0: let's kind of close up that part of it. So let's say this is like where we were at. This is like a third, fourth, whatever year you wanted, you have your own spread Mm -hmm. and set up. So what you're going to need is if you're going to be mostly hunting sheet water, just a couple hundred decoys. If you're going to be doing a lot of field hunting, 500 to like 1,500 decoys, you want to be the same brand. Um, for the sound, you want it to be as spread out as possible. So as many speakers and setups as you can, and you can build your own on YouTube or if you have the money, you know, buy the main or buy something that's already set up and ready to go. Yep. And, um, at this point too, I would say if you're going to be like, if you want to take this seriously and you're actually going to be doing it, another thing that you should buy is a backboard. If you're going to be laying out in the spreads, that Mm -hmm. is a lifesaver. I mean, there's a couple companies that make them, but pretty much what it is, is... Oh, uh... It's got, like, foam in or whatever. It's, like, padded. It's like a padded deal you lay on and it's got... The back of it elevates up. So, like, you're kind of laying down on the ground and then you got support, so where you're like, laying at a reclined position like your back and your head is held up by it. And it yeah. it's just so much nicer. It keeps you off of the mud and the cold ground so you're not freezing as fast. And you know, your neck and your back and everything doesn't hurt. So like, I mean, if you're going out just for like a weekend or two for the year, don't waste the 50 or 80 or whatever dollars it is on it. But if you're, if you're going to take this seriously and actually go out and do it, that is something that you should definitely look into getting. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, what else did we say? If you're like at this stage, if you're wanting to get going by yourself, what else would you need to invest in?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely save your money so you can, you, you can scout. Um, again, it's, it really, really comes down to, so I should, we should have maybe, I should have, I should have really established this earlier. There's four ways to really hunt snow geese. One, you can traffic adults and, and how you do that is you find an extremely good flyway and you find an area that they, that the adults will go to notoriously every single year and that area is usually going to be some type of water-slash-loafing spot, okay? So have the money so that if, if that's what you want to do, you can find that spot. Have the gas money so you can drive around and find that, that loafing water spot for those adults, okay? if The other way to do it is you can pocket jump the, goobie, the Juvies. Not the goovies, the Juvies. So that's the second way you can hunt them. That's going to be where you're going to probably kill the most geese, uh, decoying, And but again, that that you got to you got to scout a lot and you got to be able to establish an area and kind of find where those different corridors were that the adults went through. And then now you have to go and find the juvies kind of in those same corridors, uh, maybe a week or two after the main mass has pushed through. The third way you can hunt them is going to be pass shooting. So what that is, is, okay. you know that the geese are they're going to be roosting over here. You saw that they were feeding in the cornfield. Two miles west, you sit under the flight line and you watch, and then you shoot and you pass shoot the geese when they hit maybe that forty yard mark. You'll see they'll fly over you all day long, and then eventually they get more and more comfortable. They get lower and lower. Um, this is going to work the best on high wind days. So when it's really windy, if you can find that lane to pass shoot, that's going to be a really really good bet for you. And the last way is definitely the easiest way. But can get you in a lot of trouble is gonna be jump shooting. So, what the jump shooting is, is that's you, you're strapping up with all your gear, you're basically Rambo, you're crawling through the mud, you're gonna get cl- up close to them. But the one thing you wanna be careful with with jump shooting is one, obviously, whatever geese that you do wound, you wanna make sure you can get to them and dispatch them and actually be able to recover them. Because there's times when you'll see a bunch of geese, maybe on a bunch of ice. You don't think about it. You go to rip into them, and then say you did rip into them, and now you have 50 dead geese on a thing of ice that you can't go get because one, you didn't get, you didn't bring your boat. Two, your dog's afraid to go on the ice. Three, you can't send your dog on the ice because they'll fall through. And obviously, it may not be deep enough for you to walk through either with your waders. So, you got to be careful with jump shooting. And also, the other thing with jump shooting too. Is since you're shooting into a mass of birds, there's times when there could be speckled bellies mixed in. There's times there could be mallards or pintails or you know swans or anything like that. Um, there's been times where I've went to jump shoot stuff before, and it's like you go to shoot them, and it's like there's a pocket of specs right here. Like you just can't do it. You can't do it. It's not worth it. You can't recall a shot, and also the game warden is not going to buy that. Oh, I didn't mean to shoot the speck. He'll probably believe you that you didn't mean to shoot the speck. But he's, you're, he's still going to give you the ticket if you're shooting the spec. So, yeah. I would say, though, another good thing to do with whatever four – however you want to hunt snow geese, make sure you have the money. So have have a job before snow geese season starts so you can save your pennies. That way you can fill your gas tank and you can go out there and do the hunting. So,
0: And another thing that will save you a little bit of pennies is go on Facebook – and craigslist and bizman especially right after snow goose season and people are pissed off and that's a good way to find a used (laughs) spread
1: of decoys ready to go he's like man it's year three i'm 20k in credit card debt and i haven't killed i've killed you know 20 snowgies. eat it up eat your heart out go and buy other stuff
0: (laughs) all right so i guess past that point Let's say you're more years in, you've got more experience, you know what you're doing, you got your starter spread and your starter sound or anything. What would you say is the next step if you want to move on? What would you add or what would you subtract or what would you do different?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're on, like, say you're on year five or six, you got a good job and you got some money coming in. If you haven't yet consolidated your spread all to one brand, that's what I would do first. I would say make it as simple and as streamlined as you possibly can. A ATV is also going to be your best friend. If you, whether you're, because obviously this is me talking about decoying here. If you're going to be decoying, being able to have that ATV out there to kind of just get in out of those muddy fields, it's going to help a million. And then, also, just wait, just wait. With
0: this. if you're going to be using an ATV, you make sure that you have permission from the landowner. Don't just take a four-wheeler out in somebody's muddy field and tear it up because that's a good way to ruin it oh. for everybody.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, that's very true. Sorry, I should have stepped. And that's just even with your truck. If you don't have an ATV yet, don't push it with the truck either.
0: <laughs> yeah. The last thing you want is to call a farmer to tell them that you're buried to the frame in the middle of this field with two pickups and a trailer. Yeah. Because they will not be happy at all and you'll ruin it for everyone
1: i know a guy he went to drive into a snow goose field and he got probably halfway out in the field so no okay that's a lie not halfway he was probably 300 yards from the road so pretty far and he was able to drive on a ridge and then if he had to go through a smaller low spot he hit that low spot buried his pickup called the farmer the farmer told him to go get a wrecker so the wrecker came out and the wrecker got stuck in the field the wrecker had to call another wrecker, and that wrecker got stuck. So they had to first get the so the second wrecker that was coming out there. They, they were able to work. The two guys were able to work together to get that wrecker unstuck. They pulled the first wrecker out, and while they're pulling the first wrecker out, they were able to attach to his pickup, and they kind of just like all inched each other back slowly. <laughs> but yeah, it was like like a three thousand dollar bill though. So, it's not worth yeah. it. The farmer was pissed and I I guarantee you if that guy told the farmer that, "Hey, we we got stuck in your field." Well, obviously he he knew the the farmer knew he was stuck in the field. You just you just ruined it for that farmer. That's like somebody going into your backyard and just ripping up your backyard, right? you would be pissed. Yep. So, it's a respect thing. Especially
0: cuz in what within a month you're going to be going out there with your tractor to try to farm that field, now you got those ruts to deal with.
1: Yep. Yeah, and so, then, yeah, the seatbelt not set right either, so. But yeah, after that, though, um, ATV. Yeah, if you don't have an ATV, get an ATV. And then I would say another thing, too, I wouldn't be afraid to do, especially if you've been doing it for a while and you really know an area well, don't be afraid to start kind of messing around with that extreme weather. So a lot of times when, for example, Maybe you're on a snow goose trip and then a snowstorm is about to come through. You might pull out and then head back home so you know you don't get stuck. If you're in an area that you know is safe or you know that, like, hey, I know this area really well, don't be afraid to settle in when that bad weather's coming. Hunt the bad weather because that extreme weather is going to be some of the best hunting that you can have. Um some of the best adult hunts that I've been on for adult snow again, adult snow geese is because of the bad weather. Uh, it messes with the birds, what do you call it? their senses, so they'll be coming in to your spread. all they can hear is that e caller and they're gonna be they're gonna be flying in the wind, so they're gonna be getting blasted by snow or sleet or maybe it's fog. so they can't see very well. They're flying in blindly trying to find that sound. A lot of times, they'll hit that 30 to 40-yard range before they even realize that, oh, crap, you know this is, a, this is a fake spread, and you'll have 40, 50, 60 of them just like right there, right at 30 yards, and, and you can just start pillowcasing. So, yeah, um, once you really know an area, don't be afraid to start messing around with that extreme weather, especially when you have the resources to – Maybe get yourself unstuck if a huge snowstorm comes and barriers a pick up. Or if you know that, hey, I'm only a couple miles from home anyways, it's not that big of a deal if, you know, we mess around out here. Because if somebody gets too cold or something like that, you know you can just run them right back to the house. So,
0: Yeah, another thing on once you're in that far is investing in good, like, equipment to get yourself out there, like a good trailer and spend yep. your time actually, like, setting it up for everything. So you, when you actually get out there and you're setting up your spread, it's not just a pile of socks you're having to untangle from each other and drag out. Like, if you have a good mm-hmm. system set up to streamline it, it improves everything. Because yep. I've, I've been on a hunt. I can't remember who I was with. I don't think that you were there. But this guy that somebody knew that somebody knew, like, along the way, he tagged, he came along And we pretty much used all of his decoys. And he came out there with this big enclosed trailer. And the system that he had set up for these socks was just, I mean, it was perfect. Like, we had pretty much an assembly line. And he was just pulling them out. And it was just perfect with everything out, everything set up, Mm -hmm. and gone like there was nothing. And same with packing it up. He brought it out there, a good dry field where we could drive out there. I mean, loading it up, you pretty much just broke them down, handed them to him, and he was just, like, throwing throwing them in slots. Pretty much what it was was... It was big PVC pipes set up at like I don't know what angle they're between 45 and 90 degree angles up on the wall. and you uh-huh. could pretty much take like two or three dozen or whatever it was and pretty much have a bundle of them throw them in the pipe and it was all up and down the walls and then on the floor was set up and he there's enough room where he could walk between them like alleys and then they were like then he had like shelves in there too. So like on the floor, he had like two or he had a shelf on the floor down the middle. And then on the walls, and on each of those shelves, there's a couple layers. There's PVC pipes where you could throw decoys in there. And then on the walls, there's those ones at the angle. So pretty much everything was just all set up in there. And so that way, that's why it's so easy pulling them out because you could just grab that whole PVC pipe full, just a big bundle, hand it out to the guy, and that guy would go set up. And the same thing, you brought them in, bring them in all in a big bundle, and you just grab them, throw them in there, and just kept on going. And it was perfect. So if you can spend the time and you have the money – to make a good streamlined setup, everyone will thank you because...
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get the gear, after that, it's really figuring out what your process is and, two, how to preserve your gear so that way you can continue to use it and you ain't got to dump the money again. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. opinion, but...
0: yep. And then another thing on that, too, and it's just something you kind of pick up along the way, is the people that you meet, be good to them. And cut out the people that are shitheads that you don't Mm -hmm. want to be around. Because, I mean, if you can build up a community of guys that are into it like you are, they're really good, they know what they're doing, they're fun to hunt with, it makes a lot more enjoyable and a lot easier in the future. And let's say you're in a spot and you're having a shitty time finding birds, and you know a guy that's... 100 miles away, farther south, and he's covered up in birds, and you give him a text, say, we don't have anything going on here. What do you got going on? He says, they got birds. Come on down. We got everything you need. You just go on down yep. and do it. That, yeah, that'll that improve your success a lot, is having more people, because that way you get more options.
1: So there's a... Uh, actually, I'm really glad you... Because this will, this will segue into... Because we're. I like how we're kind of building a hierarchy here. So kind of really into... So, say, we're, say, say you're at that 10-year mark now, right? That's really what a 10-year snow goose hunter is going to do. The people that they're going to build around them is going to help their success a lot. So, I know a couple guys, not not real well. I've got to hunt with them a couple times, but they're extremely good snow goose hunters. They are, when when they post on, like, Facebook and Instagram, they're killing a lot of geese. Like, they're the groups that are killing, like, they're killing, you know, one to 300 a day when it's like the conservation season and how they're doing that is one, they created a really good team. They created a team of guys who are very passionate and who are all extremely willing to work hard and who are all willing to work together. So, one, they create a great team Two they scout their living butts off. These guys aren't just, you know, hunting, running to the bar, getting a burger, you know, farting around, throwing all the geese in the ditch, running to the bar. And then they go and set up just in a random field. They're not doing that. They're networking with farmers. They are building relationships with farmers. They are going out there and helping farmers in the off-season. They are leasing fields. They're doing all these little things to kind of build almost a snow goose empire. And then when again, so say there was six guys that all work extremely hard, they all do this, they all do their own part. And then when the hunting's good, say by highway one, then hunting by highway one. Let's say now the geese moved over to Highway Three. Okay, they built their empire. They worked hard. They know farmers. They did their due diligence. Okay, now look at that. They're set up for they're set up for Highway Three now too. So some of those best guys, yeah, Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. It really really shows all the glitter and glitz, right? But there's a ton of hard work that that you don't see that these guys have put in year after year to establish that work. So. Yeah. And that's
0: another thing, I guess, kind of back to that, the same thing that I already said, but when you're starting out, like if this is your first year, I already said it, but you work your butt off. Because, I mean, if it's your first year in it, you've got nothing to bring to the table. No. They don't care if you're killing birds, I mean, besides the picture. If you're not out there busting your tail to set the decoys, if you're not doing the shitty work if there is – If you guys sail three birds and they go into a shitty, muddy part of the field, you be the one that's busting your butt out there to get them and getting back and always Mm. have a good attitude about it because you're not going to Mm. be invited back if you're the one dragging the team down. If you're – all you do is just lay there in your spot, shoot your couple birds, and then complain that you're cold and wet and you don't enjoy it, no one's going to want to hunt with you. And that's how you're going to work your way up too and get on as many hunts as you can as you're starting out with more people. Because you meet those people, you add them on Facebook or get their Snapchat or get their phone number or whatever. I mean, if you prove that you're a good hard worker, you got good energy, you enjoy it. People recognize that. Because I mean, I've hunted with a bunch of people, and like I can picture my head. I don't. I'm not. But I can picture faces of people that I wouldn't want to hunt again because all I did was complain and they suck. They didn't want to put in the work. And then I can picture people that I would, I would love to hunt again just because it was enjoyable. I mean, I wasn't the one that was doing all the work. They were in there doing as much as I was, if not more. And, I mean, if you're – if it's sucking for you, if you're cold and tired and feeling shitty, everybody else is too. Everybody else is cold and tired, so nobody wants to hear you say that you're cold and tired and this sucks. Everybody's feeling the same thing. I mean, just make the most out of it and then build up from there. The more people you meet, that's the more people that they know. You might get invited on a hunt with people that you only met one of those guys two years ago. But if you go with him and you meet all of his buddies, you meet more people. Just like you're saying, mm-hmm. you build up that network of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a couple of years into this, you've got a whole bunch of people that you've met. And, I mean, if you've proven yourself to be a good hunter, you're going to be invited on things. Or if you find good things, you can invite them and then, just, I mean, just build it from there. I know I'm kind of like <laughs> a broken record on that. But that's that's pretty much the biggest thing that I've found from not only snow goose hunting, any type of hunting in general
1: is yeah. – and and honestly, and and I just want to make it clear. And I know Garrett, this is not where you're coming from, but I just want to make it clear that we're not saying to go network and meet people to use them. <laughs> we're not saying to do that at all. What we're saying is, okay, see who are the, the groups that you would want to be a part of, and then work dang hard so that way you can repay them for the the help that that you're basically repay them for them bringing you along. Okay, but don't don't use people. You know, don't just kind of see this as, like, maybe a corporate ladder. Okay, I hung with these guys for a little bit, and then I jump to that group, and then I jump to that group. We're not saying that. Um, work hard, respect people, and then, yeah, just, just be a good human. <laughs> and so another thing, too, I didn't
0: mention that on the first part that I should have. Like, if it's your first year, go download the Ducks Unlimited app, and there's a migration oh yeah uh, tracker on yeah. that. That is a good app. Even, like, from... If it's your first year all the way up to, say, you're 50 years old and you've been doing this since you're 10 years old, I mean, there's people on there that will tell you – like, if you go into the map part of it and then you do the heat map or whatever it is, you can see where the congregations of geese are as they move north or south even in the fall, and you can kind of plan yourself around that. Or say, like, you're planning on hunting in, let's say, Nebraska, and then you look at that map and you see that they're still farther south whatever, Oklahoma or whatever, or farther east, you can kind of adjust your plans from there mm-hmm. and go, you know, depending on w- what type of hunting you want to do, because the big mass of it is going to be adults, like you said, mm-hmm. but that, or on Facebook, there's the Snow Goose Migration 2.0, try to get, <laughs> to be a part of, the 1.0, kind of turn into a dog shit show, yeah. so that, even the 2.0 is kind of a shit show at times, but mm-hmm there's still good people on there that are giving out decent information on where birds are at, what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. So do that.
1: And plan and plan, especially if you're going somewhere, plan your trip for what type of hunting you want to do. You want to pass shoot. Okay. You're going to want to go when the masses are there. If you want to jump shoot, you got to go when the masses are there. If you want to try and decoy adults, you got to go when the masses are there. But again, if you want to hunt those juvie geese, you can't be chasing the hot pins. You have to let those hot pins, you know, all, all those, you want to let that mass get through because following the mass is going to be the juvies. It's going to feel like I'm, there's been so many times where this has been me in South Dakota, where we were hunting in like central South Dakota. And I drove like literally to like the Nebraska, South Dakota border trying to find juvies. And then all of a sudden you find that pocket of like, okay, it's like, it's like you're driving for hours and you're only seeing like, you're seeing like a lot of darkies you're seeing maybe some ducks, but then it's, you almost feel like it's a waste of time. It's like an hour four of scouting. Right. And all of a sudden you turn that corner and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a pocket. And then you hit them with the binos and it's like, oh my gosh, they're gray. (laughs) Yeah. And you find them gray, you make them pay. I'm telling you, you're, sometimes it feels like you're chasing nothing but when you find sometimes it feels like you're chasing nothing and you should go back north and just hunt the mass but when you find those juvie pockets you're gonna you're gonna thank yourself for putting in that hard work because it will be worth it it's it's a ton of fun and that's another thing
0: for if you're starting out get yourself a pair of binoculars yes i use those all the time i use them big game everything i do i use those binoculars there's a game changer because i mean you might see a bunch of geese Way out, as far as you can see, it just looks like a couple of geese coming down. You don't know what it is. That could actually be ducks. That could be Canada's. That could be something else. You put up those binoculars, you can pick out colors, and then you might see farther on behind them a great big tornado you can see with your naked eye that's way up behind them. So get yourself some binoculars. They don't have to be super expensive or anything, but, I mean, if you got binoculars from something else, bring them along. It can't hurt. They might just sit in your pickup the whole time and not use them, but, I mean, and that might just be from the way that I grew up being a big game hunter is using my binos all the time. But mm-hmm. I mean, I use those as much as I use my naked eye, if not more.
1: Yeah. I would say i so there's definitely been times So I don't use binoculars a lot. So I have really, really good eyesight, but way I am like, I, but I am, I am color deficient though. <laughs> so I'm lacking yeah. I don't, I don't see color very well, but, uh, so yeah, I can see really far. But to Garrett's point, though, too, there's been several times when I'm like, dang, I wish I had binos right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: And they're they're always in my pickup. They never leave my pickup, no matter what. It doesn't matter what time of year it is, summer, spring, fall, winter. They're always in my pickup because there's always something I look at. But, again, that might just come back to me growing up, big game hunting. Yep. I mean, I like to be able to see, even if it's not hunting season, to look at deer or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. What, your neighbor's so, looking in those backyard or something?
0: Well, you never know. He might have a hot tub, and his wife might be feeling frisky that night.
1: <laughs> that's, like, that's like that reminds me. Of that. So this didn't happen, but like I could see that being in a national lampoon's like a movie or something. Clark just sitting there. With my <laughs> <house>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you? Oh,
0: say it again. Uh do you? Oh, do you have anything else you want to add? on that i guess yeah. like the, the, i mean
1: the, what else tricks or trips would you uh tricks or tips would you add on the biggest thing after that and this is kind of goes with any type of waterfowl hunting or really any hunting at all scout with purpose so don't just scout to scout and don't just pick a field because there was birds in there do your due diligence and do your best to find to find the reason why they're there okay, watch the flight lines, watch, you know, be as vigilant as you possibly can, because the more data you have is going to help you. Some data, obviously, if you, if you, if you see something, some data is not going to maybe make your hunt better, but the more you know, the better you are off, and the more you can see, like, oh, there's a, there's a saying, um, science is a compilation of data, and a lot of data is good science. So if you if you have a lot of data, you have a lot you can pull from. So yeah, Scott with purpose, okay, don't just hunt the water because they're on the water. Is there a certain point they're sitting on the water? Is there a certain time of day they're hitting the water? Okay, you know, are they in this field? Just because you saw them in the field at night doesn't mean you should go hunt them in the morning because maybe they're not there in the morning. Do everything you can to truly find out why they're there. Um, hope, hopefully that helps. Um, Does that make sense here? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Is there
0: um any, like you already said, the one thing that you had told your younger self, but if you, I mean, could go back to yourself starting out snow goose hunting, is there anything else you would tell yourself to make your life easier going through this?
1: Yeah. um, I would say the thing I would tell my younger self is your hard work is going to pay off. <laughs> it, this, that sounds probably super cliche or maybe stupid. But when I was growing up, I it was probably two or three years where I hunted as much as I possibly could. And bless my dad's heart, he didn't know how to snow goose hunt. But every chance or every time I asked if we could go, this is like before I had a driver's license, um, he would take me. So we had no idea what we were doing. And it was super frustrating. And we killed like a handful of geese Just by like past shooting and jump shooting. And it was kind of almost felt like it was a fruitless labor. But the more you do it, again, it's not rocket science. It definitely takes a trained person to really kill snow geese day in and day out. But your hard work will pay off. And then just remember okay, this didn't work last time. Just don't be afraid to try new different things. So that's what I would tell myself though hey, just keep grinding. There's going to be some days where there's going to be a lot of mud. There's going to be a lot of blood. You, I, you guys saw the picture of Phil's ear all full of blood. I mean, I've had some crazy, fun wild hunts. I've got the pillcase, pill a lot yeah. of snow geese. Um, I got like four or five blue geese mounted now. <laughs> I don't know why. Those <laughs> so stupid. Uh, they're all in a house in Medina. They're not even at my place now, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, something I already told myself too is. Even though it sucks, I mean, when you look back on it, pretty much embrace the suck, like they say in the Army or whatever. Just embrace it. I mean, it sucks right now, but two hours from where you're at right now when it sucks and you're tired and you're cold and muddy and nobody is enjoying it, two hours from now, you're going to be warm, you're going to be taking your shower, eat some food, take a nap, and then a couple months later, you're going to look back on it thinking about how you want to go do it again. So, I mean... just, just enjoy it. It sucks, but enjoy the suck. Embrace the suck.
1: My, uh, my best hunt aren't on. So my best hunt wasn't a snow goose hunt, but my most memorable hunts, though, of like just crazy shit happening or it just being like wild, is all been snow goose hunting. It's, it's never been the duck hunt. It's never been that one big goose hunt. It's always been the snows, and because of that, like snow geese is the one thing. It's To me, some, some people say as soon as you see a coyote, it turns into a coyote hunt. For me, the moment I see a snow goose, it turns into a snow goose hunt. That's just how I am. If snows are open and I see a snow goose, I don't care if there was 10,000 mallards in the field next to it. I'm going to go try and kill that one snow goose out of that pod of 15 Canada geese. That's just how I am. I want to go and get that one snow goose. So, But yeah, I, I got that because of the suck and all the memories and all the fun I got to have and all the different... Troubleshooting, I got to wade through, and I would say, even though it sucked again, it was worth it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is a little bit off topic. How many people are in the town of Wapiton? Do you remember what's the population?
1: Uh, six or seven thousand. No, I bet it's eight thousand now, but when we were there, probably seven.
0: So, this is a hot take that I've had for a while, and it's proven true. If you're in a town or city, like we would call it, because I thought Wapton is a city when I moved there for college. If you're in a place of over 5,000 people, you call them coyotes, and if you're in the country, you call them coyotes. And you just proved my point right there. You every probably- time. Every time <laughs> it's somebody from a bigger place, they call them coyotes, and if you're out in the country, you call them coyotes.
1: That's good. That's not, not- I,
0: haven't, I haven't been proven wrong yet, so. You
1: know, you know why we call them coyotes? Why is that? Because all the drugs that run through Wapton, you know what I mean? I-94. They <laughs> I got all the running up from Mexico of 94. or uh, See those,
0: 20- those blacked-out chargers coming up the interstate. You know what's going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. got to see if Clint Eastwood's in there running drugs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess you've already told some stories from this last podcast and this one, but do you got any uh, cool snow goose story you'd want to close out the episode with?
1: Yeah, let me think here. I, I could definitely think of one. Um so we talked about the snowstorm we talked about the two snowstorms so okay i will tell you about my first ever snow goose hunt where i was like holy crap the stars have aligned so to really kind of back up the stuff i'm telling you i how i started snow goose hunting was again it was my dad we struggled a lot And, you know, my dad, again, bless his heart. He took me on every chance we got, but we were not very good. So I networked out and I, like Garrett was talking, I absolutely worked my butt off uh, with the guy that I was basically getting mentored through. Um, I would, I never, I always made sure I was early. I was never late. I always made sure to pull the most decoys out of the mud. I would actually look at people next to me and see how fast they were pulling decoys. And I would try to pull them faster because I was like, I wanted to so badly be part of the snow goose group. So I would like work as hard as I possibly could. And I remember we were driving to a field and I had actually got permission on a, it was kind of like an old kind of, uh, tilled over cornfield. And I remember going there, I was so tired. It was like 3am. We had just, uh, left Fargo and it was like cold and it was foggy and it was like spitting rain and i was like this is so stupid like why why do i want to do this stupid sport i don't get it and the whole ride there i'm just like dreading like setting the spread and having to sit out in the cold and then it's like we set the spread and this is before i realized that fog and extreme weather can be absolute miracles for snow geese and yeah them snow geese snow geese they came into the sound and me and Blake, there was two other guys with us. Um, but, yeah, we we killed, I think, like 40 or 50 snows that day. And it's like all that hard work paid off. But I remember just, like, sitting. So it was, like, so foggy that we didn't even set the spread in the field. We just actually sat on top of the road, put some socks in front of us, and then basically sat in the road ditch because it was nice for our backs because we didn't have backboards. And I remember just, like, happily sitting here. And like watching these geese like finish on top of the guys and like them just ripping into them. And I remember Blake looked over at me. and He's like, "You're not shooting." And I'm like, "Honestly, I was like, I'm just enjoying the show. It was, it was just, it was, it, it would be a hunt I'll, I'll forever remember because it was like the moment of like, okay, we accomplished it, we did it. And then once you do it, you get more hungry and you want to kill more. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah. that's that would be the hunt. That that was my first success story and. It obviously came from fog, so maybe you can't say it was a true success story. But to me, as I was probably like 16 or 17, it was everything I ever wished for. So. Yeah.
0: So my my best or I guess my favorite snow goose story, I don't remember if you were there or not. I think you were. But this is the one that I remember the most is it was my first tornado that I was ever in i think that you were there with me i'm pretty positive you were but i remember anyways we were laying there in this spread and we had just been like picking away at like ones and twos all day and we just had like maybe a dozen dead geese on the ground and we were about to pick up or i mean about to call it a day we we're gonna leave the spread out for the next day but we were about to call it a day because we thought it just wasn't it and I i can't remember who it was i remember who all, all was along anyways i'll keep it going um Someone, you know, everybody was standing up milling around because there was no geese flying. And uh, someone said, hey, there's a big pile behind us. We all turned around. Sure enough, there's a big flock. And we, they're so far away, no one had knockers. We can tell if they're coming in or not. And uh, so we were just kind of watching them and talking. And then we looked again. They looked like they were getting closer. So we're like, oh, crap. Well, they are coming this way. Maybe we'll just get down. So we we're all just kind of sitting up in our spots still sitting there and then somebody turned around again and said yeah they're definitely coming this way and there's more behind them and we all turned around and look and there's more and more there's like a big huge line coming in behind that first big flock like holy crap they're gonna come right over us so we all laid down and no birds had been really working that day the few that had come in that we got were just like singles and doubles and we really hadn't seen many flying that day and the ones that did that were big flocks they were flying high and they were going and it might just be because later in the day these ones are ready to settle down but that first big flock come right over the top of us. They got way out, like a quarter mile, half mile, if not more, ahead of us. And they were high. And all of a sudden, they just all turned at the same time and started coming right back at us. Mm-hmm. And as they started coming right back at us, the next line that was behind them did, it took the same course and followed right where they turned, they turned. And they kept on coming like that, just lines of them. Well, that first group, they were so high, they started circling down as they do. And the next line behind them followed them down. I mean, it took like... It seemed like forever, but it was like three or four minutes. And all of a sudden we had a tornado over top of us. And that was the first time I had ever experienced that. And so I'm laying back. There's maybe like half dozen of us guys, but I'm laying down and we got this tornado coming down on us. And there were so many geese coming down that you could feel like the wing beats as the air was moving, moving your chest. Like it was like almost hard to breathe. And it was so loud because they were all yelling and honking. And there was like just like the first couple were starting to land on us. And then as far up as you could see, there was just geese up in the sky, just coming down in a big circle, a tornado right on top of our spread. And I was laying there watching it, and somebody next to me yelled, are we going to shoot them or not? And I had totally forgot that we were even hunting. I mean, I was just enjoying it. It was insane. I'd never been a part of that in my life. And it was honestly almost kind of scary because it was just so loud like I'd never experienced that before. And finally, someone said, yeah. Let's take care of them or something like that. And we all sat up and blasted into them and took a couple of them. But I mean, if no one would have said that, I would have just laid there and watched that all come down for as long as it took. It was crazy. But that is my most memorable snow goose story that I've ever been a part of. Did
1: uh, did that first group – did that first group – so I think I was actually there. I think this is in North Dakota. This is with um, – some guys up in so we were in central north dakota but these guys are from western north dakota but those first two groups they like sat super hard on us didn't they yeah like, like they, they were spun, like i said they like they like cherry bombed
0: yeah like they were that was the first time i seen real maple leafing too because they were like fighting their way down like they were just dropping left and right and they were like landing in our decoys when the first person said are we going to shoot them or not and then we sat there for like like I said, it times felt like it was dragging. It might have been like 10 seconds, it might have been a full minute before someone said, Yeah, let's take care of them, or something like that. But yep. yeah, it was absolutely wild. And whenever somebody asked me about snow goose hunting, that's the story I bring up because I mean, that is that is exactly what it's about. That was the most epic thing. I I mean, in hunting, in general, I may have been a part of that many bodies coming down on you, and you've got them tricked, and they're coming in. And like literally, when they were coming down, there were so many wing beats, it's like you couldn't breathe. The air was just moving around you.
1: It's 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 so loud. It's so loud when you actually have like a mass sit down on you, it's like it's hard to explain, but it's you don't hear shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was that's great. If they would do that every time, I mean I'd probably get bored of it, but
1: No, if they made I, mean, did that, I think, did that, think that's the the the, the popula- they wouldn't be overpopulated.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah i think that's the only time that i've really been part of like a real big tornado because like i said looking up as far as i could see there was just geese coming down like layers and layers and layers it was crazy And i don't think i've been a part of one that was that big like that ever since
1: the uh but the next day we hunted is the day so that you know the photo you posted of me when i'm holding the two geese up the two jubies? yeah your senior photo yeah we took that photo the day after that hunt so you were part of it then yeah, because that because I because I I remember the group of guys we were with.
0: Wow, well, good. I'm glad you got to enjoy that with me. Seems yeah, like that I, was a very special moment in your life.
1: I almost said the town, but I didn't. <laughs> <sighs> no, don't say the town. I remember exactly because the town we found that those pockets in both both of those hunts. So the day that, so. This is something you you'll notice about juvie geese too. <sighs> I so a, a lot of times, the majority of times, you'll find the juvies. You will find them in the historical corridors of where the adults are pushing through. But every once in a while you'll find them in like freaking Wapiton where it doesn't make any sense that they should be there. Okay. So again, the majority of the time they're going to be in those historical corridors, but every once in a while, there's just a weird needle in a haystack and both the hunts, the hunt where Garrett's talking about. And then the day after where I have the picture of the two snow geese in my arms, it's like my senior picture or whatever. Um, both of those hunts were found the geese the pockets of juvies were found in towns of like you don't hunt snow geese here and but yeah it was it was just weird but they, they were both fun hunts so
0: yeah for sure well i guess we should probably wrap it up that's about our 15 minutes of recording i don't know if people want to hear about snow geese that much so
1: yeah and honestly oh. if you have questions especially if you're just starting out. Uh, I'm sure Garrett will tag me in this, but I will 1 million percent answer any question that somebody has. You can pick my brain. If you're going to North Dakota, I won't tell you like maybe an exact town, but I will definitely point you in the right direction. I will definitely get you driving in the position you need to be. So I
0: heard the best spot is probably over in the Badlands over by uh, Dickinson or Belfield or something. Right.
1: No, the the best best place is
0: Absaraka.
1: That is Sereka, ba- always that, that is the Baghdad of North Dakota
0: you go there did you, <laughs> <laughs> did you see on the uh, Joe Heinz podcast for the fa- or Instagram post I put his Absarac in North Dakota oh no <laughs> <laughs> I did I did not know where to get the joke but you and you never messaged me so I was a little bit disappointed
1: oh my bad but yeah <laughs> that town that town's painted red in goose blood
0: absolutely it's pretty much the uh, skeeter pond of snow goose hunting yeah. all right um plug yourself like your instagram social media anything like that do you want to throw that in on this one because we didn't do that last time you
1: want to follow me um i don't really use facebook unless it's marketplace i like i like to go on instagram and watch instagram reels (laughs) but if you want to see some of the hunts that i've done i got some old videos too of some different groups of geese that are uh tornadoing down but my Instagram is Jujipaha or Payunpa. So it's super weird, but J U J I P A J U N P A. That's my Instagram. If you look me up, you'll find me. Uh, I don't have Or just type
0: name. in Drew Bayunpa, it'll probably pull it up and then I'll say Juji whatever it is underneath it. Yeah.
1: Jujipayunpa. That's so yeah, it's it's pronounced Jujipayunpa, but yeah, you can if you if you can remember that, look me up. I got some cool stuff on there. There's a there's a video of the guy who actually kind of mentored me. He's getting smoked by a snow goose. Um, it's kind of funny. So,
0: <laughs> and then I guess I haven't ever really done it either. So I will plug myself too, since we're doing this. Um, I mean, my Facebook is Garrett Backman. I really don't do much on any of the social media except for my other accounts. But uh, I, if you want to see my personal, like Instagram, it's just at or at Backman, G, B-A-C-K-M-A-N-G. I mean, I think I have some pictures of our hunts on there, some snow geese and some ducks and Canada Mm -hmm. geese. And then if you want to follow me on Snapchat every now and again, I got some hunting stuff on my story. It's at Garrett Backman all together. Um, But, yeah, that's that's pretty much that. So I guess thanks again for doing this. That's two times in pretty much a month So. That was yeah, a big I'll help, and hopefully hopefully, this helps out some people that are wanting to get started in snow goose hunting because, like I said, I've had people ask me a lot about it because not many people do it up here. So hopefully they'll listen to this and get all the info they need so they can stop asking me. <laughs> but And then I guess in the future, too, here, I didn't really mention at the beginning. Maybe I'll put this part at the beginning, but I think as we're rolling into snow goose season, it's starting here in Arkansas in a month. We're going to be doing a bunch of Snow Goose killers, get some tricks and tactics and some cool stories from people. Uh, We got a couple lined up that said they'll do it. So I think that's the future plan here. But, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Drew and he didn't bore you. So,
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) is there uh, anything else you'd like to uh, say to the people before we go again?
1: Take up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Alright, thank you, Drew.
1: Alright, yep, yeah, see ya.